Open your Bibles, please, to Proverbs chapter 31. Proverbs chapter 31, and I shall be moving fast to cover 10 example mothers and 10 rules for good mothering from the Bible. Proverbs chapter 31 is almost always thought of as descriptive statements by a woman about a wife, what would be a great wife, a perfect wife, the virtuous woman, the virtuous wife. But I want you to notice the first verse says the words of King Lemuel, the prophecy, that means it's inspired, that his mother taught him. This is from a mother to a son. And to read this chapter carefully and to think about it from a mother to a son, it tells us much of what a mother ought to emphasize in her relationship with her children. The first nine verses cover aspects of character different from verses 10 through 31, because 10 through 31 are the kind of woman that a man ought to marry, and the advice is given by his mother, who carefully details what a good wife will do and what she'll be like. We're going to come back to this chapter. But I want you to notice that first verse. It is inspired from God. And it's a mother teaching her son. And the son was a king. This is a royal mother. That teaches in Proverbs chapter 31. And there's much in this chapter about what a mother does for her household. If you compare all the chapters of the Bible... Proverbs 31 is by far the most definitive and thorough description of an exceptional mother found in the Bible. If you can switch away from thinking of a wife in this chapter to thinking of a mother, there's many things said there. It's Mother's Day in our nation. We seldom and only indirectly ever allow a calendar to affect our topics. My main person is not to exalt motherhood done it before, not to flatter mothers, done it before if I've ever done it, or to exhort children to honor mothers, done it before. My main purpose today, by God's grace, is rather to motivate, to excite, to illustrate, to teach and to warn mothers to be the best they can be from God's Word. There is a huge difference among mothers. Great mothers seldom do noble things by natural instinct. They do it by a choice to follow God and by the power that He gives by His Spirit. A biological mother, meaning you conceived and had babies, a biological mother is a fact of all mammals. Birds, fish, reptiles, etc. in differing but similar ways. And we need to recognize that to appreciate God's Word. Without God's Word, a woman will not be the mother that He expects her to be. Common things of motherhood, like conceiving, birthing, nursing, feeding, protecting, they're all natural. Every woman does them. Pagan, atheist, Christian alike. Bear with me. It's the pastor God gave you. Junkyard dogs 
make great mothers in these ways. They conceive, they gestate, they birth, they feed, they nurse, they protect, they comfort, they hug, they kiss, they lick. Junkyard dogs do all those things. So do gerbils, hyenas, skunks, and even whales. That is not the measure of a mother. I'm thinking of a mother. You know, just looking at that little precious china doll that she's holding at her breast, looking at the little eyelashes and the little fingernails and all the wonderful feelings that go through you, they go through every woman. Every woman. All women have all the feelings that you've ever had and probably more. So that's not what I'm going after today. And I want to be as gentle as I can be, but to push you to a different level and to excite you about it. Mothers, you need to have an aim and an action plan that's far above holding, feeding, playing, and schooling your children. All pagans do that. All animals do that. All animals hold, feed, play, and school their young. While those activities may give you childish pleasure, they do not substitute for real mothering. In just two months, it'll be five years since my mother departed this world to be with Jesus Christ. I had one that I'm going to tell you about. I had a great mother in most ways the Bible describes, and I thank God for her godly influence. It's been said, and wise enough, that behind every great man is a great woman. And this woman's his mother, not his wife. By the time a man gets a wife, his abilities and character are mostly formed. She can hardly alter him. That's why no woman should ever get married thinking of what she's going to turn her husband into. It doesn't work that way. Ten mothers and ten rules. From God's Word. Eve was the mother of all living. God created the first husband and the first wife and made them the first parents. He knows everything there is to know about mothering. Everything you do by instinct is nothing that a skunk doesn't do. Instinct is not the teacher. Your mommy is not the teacher. The Word of God is the teacher. God is the teacher in His Word. Let's start with ten examples. Now you know I'm going to have to cover ground, right? So I'm not going to be able to say very much, and maybe you could help out a woman I know, you women that think, that this just might supply the foundation for doing something on Wednesday evening. Because I'm just going to be able to hit some high points. The first mother that I want to start with is not Eve. Because there are not very many good things, if any, to say about Eve in the Bible. But she is one of the mothers mentioned there. I want to start with Sarah. Sarah was a holy woman, in God's opinion. If you want to look at a verse of Scripture, it's 1 Peter 3, 5. The Holy Spirit identifies her as a holy woman in God's opinion. She is also listed in the hall of faith, of having great faith. She followed her husband blindly. And when I say blindly, I mean that she followed him because he was following the Lord, but neither of them knew where they were going. But it didn't matter to Sarah. 
God had told Abraham to go where I'm going to lead you. And so Sarah went with him. She conceived by faith in her old age. And if you want to say to me, but Sarah laughed when she heard that she was going to have a baby by Abraham. So did Abraham laugh. But God overlooked both and put them in Hebrews chapter 11 as being great in faith. Because overall she was. She ferociously protected her son. At his weaning, when 16-year-old Ishmael was making fun of her son Isaac, she went and set that matter straight and told Abraham, get that bondwoman and her son out of this place. And God, and Abraham was grieved because Abraham loved Ishmael. And the Lord said, do exactly what Sarah said, because the bondwoman shall not be heir and her son shall not be heir with the son of the free woman. So the Lord endorsed Sarah on that occasion. But here's a woman that lived in Ur of the Chaldeans and went on a 500-mile trip with her husband where she didn't know where she was going, but she followed him anyway. And she trusted God and believed him when he said, you're going to conceive, lactate, and nurse in your old age when she was reproductively, biologically dead. And the Bible calls her a holy woman. 1 Peter 3, 5, For after this manner in the old time, the holy women, after this manner, they those women did what the first four verses of this chapter teach. For after this manner in the old time, the holy women also, who trusted in God, adorned themselves, being in subjection unto their own husbands, even as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord. But we're not looking at Sarah as a wife. We're looking at Sarah as a holy woman that was a holy mother. But she followed her husband. She didn't try to go against Abraham. God knew about Abraham that he'd be able to command his household and they would follow after him. She believed God's promises, though they were contrary to all nature, because she hadn't had a period in a long time, when she heard that she was going to conceive and give birth. She believed and she protected her son because she knew her son was the promised seed of Abraham. So think about Sarah. Who in here of you mothers is like Sarah? Holy. Full of faith. Make the hall of faith. Believe God's promises when there isn't any natural or earthly Reason to believe them. Let's go to Rebecca. Rebecca was beautiful and gracious. What a combination. The Bible says a beautiful woman without graciousness is like a 2,000 pound sweating, stinking hog with a ring nose of gold. The beauty being the gold, the ungracious character, the pig. But Rebecca was both. And the servant of Abraham spotted that in a hurry. She trusted God to leave and cleave. She left her family without any ten days of dilly-dallying around with her parents to be with her husband who lived hundreds of miles away. She set a great example. She was a sporting wife from the beginning. She got off her camel, went into Isaac's mother's tent, and they consummated their marriage. They were spotted in a field by the king of the Philistines, sporting. She trusted God while she had some years of being barren. She loved the right son. Out of Jacob and Esau that wrestled in her womb, she loved the right one 
because he was God's. And she hated marriage to unbelievers. Do you know all these things about Rebecca? It was a grief of heart to her that Esau had married of the daughters of Heth. She said, what's my life worth if I'm going to give birth and they marry an unbeliever? Does every woman in here have that kind of conviction? These are the holy examples I'm trying to give you. Rebecca, she's a great example of a wife and a mother. The next one, you can come back a few pages to Hebrews chapter 11. These are ten example mothers. The Bible does have examples for us. And we'll pull from these examples some rules of conduct, some goals, some ambitions, some things to emphasize as priorities in you being a good mother. I hope you understand what I'm trying to say. If you clothe your children to look nice, if you feed them nice meals, if you hug them and you play with them and you school them, you have not done anything that a skunk doesn't do. A skunk does every single one of those things. Every pagan mother does every one of those things. You've done nothing. There's another, there's a whole other level of motherhood. And I just want, I want you to get excited about this other level. Why did you bring them into the world if you're just going to feed them, clothe them, and school them? Make them men and women of God. You have more time with them than your husband does. Be like these great women. Isaac. Jacob. But we're to a woman that's found in this verse. Hebrews 11.23 By faith Moses, when he was born, was hid three months of his parents. That includes a mother. Because they saw he was a proper child. There's more to that than they liked his looks. And they were not afraid of the king's commandment. Her name is Jochebed. And I'm sorry I don't have a little piece of paper in all of your laps. Twice negligent as a pastor. Not a timeline this morning. And not a little piece of paper right now that has ten blanks for the ten women examples and ten traits to draw from each one of each, one from each, and then the ten rules. Of course, I have a four-page outline that makes me happy, but I'm sorry for not helping you. Jochebed. Jochebed feared God more than Pharaoh. That's what we want in a mother. For the children to grow up knowing my mom fears God. My mom loves God. My mom is always going to make choices to honor God. And Jochebed was that kind. She feared God more than Pharaoh. She knew that Moses was special. She trusted God for him in a basket. You know, mothers, don't grieve and wring your hands when your children go out for the first time on a subdivision street on their bicycle. It's going to be worse when they go out for the first time and turn the keys on a V8 and head out onto a public road. You, you prepare them, you train them, and then you trust the Lord. Jochebed trusted the Lord. And because she trusted Him so much, she obtained nursing privileges to nurse that little guy. Do you remember how that worked out? Putting Moses in the basket, pushing him away from shore. He floats down. Miriam, his sister, is sneaking along through the bulrushes to watch that little basket go. Pharaoh's daughter comes down 
to the riverside. They spot the baby who's crying a little bit. She picks him up. I want this baby, but I'm not lactating. Who's going to nurse this thing? And Miriam, his sister says, I know a woman. I know a woman that's lactating, and she would like to nurse that baby for you. And that was Moses' mother. God will take care of mothers when they trust the Lord with their children. She trusted God for him in Pharaoh's house. Do you know how hard that would have been to give up that baby to another woman where that other woman could give him things that she would never be able to even dream of giving him? But she trusted God. She knew he was a proper child, and I don't want to get off on that. There was more than just a good-looking baby. But that's not important right now. Jochebed trusted the Lord. It's one of your ten mothers. Judges chapter 14. Judges chapter 14 is Samson's mother. Judges 13 through 16 are about Samson. An angel appeared to Samson's mother and told him, told her what kind of a son she was going to have and that he needed to be a Nazarite and she needed to be a Nazarite for the nine months of gestation or pregnancy carrying him. Samson's mother was honored by an angel, corrected her husband wisely. Her husband was so fearful after the angel appeared to them, oh, we're going to die. Husband, please. It, why, he just accepted our sacrifice and he went back to heaven. Why do you think he's going to kill us after accepting our sacrifice? She's very wise. A wise mother. Corrected her husband wisely, obeyed the Nazarite rules for her and her son, and pushed him to marry a Jew. Judges chapter 14 and Verse 1, Samson went down to Timnath and saw a woman in Timnath of the daughter of the Philistines. And he came up and told his father and his mother. That's Samson's mother right there in verse 2. She's hearing something she does not like to hear. Samson said, I have seen a woman in Timnath of the daughters of the Philistines. Now therefore get her for me to wife. Then his father and his mother said unto him, Is there never a woman among the daughters of thy brethren or among all my people? that thou goest to take a wife of the uncircumcised Philistines? Samson's mother is like Rebekah. They don't want their sons marrying pagan, unbelieving wives. Samson's mother. Naomi. Naomi followed her man to Moab when there was a famine in Israel. Moab were enemies of the nation of Israel. The book of Ruth is about Naomi and Ruth. Naomi followed her husband to Moab. She did not despair at great loss. What did she lose? Her husband and her two sons. She did not despair. Did she change in her faith toward God? Not at all. She dealt wisely with those two daughters, seeking to dissuade them to find out if they really had faith in the God of Israel that they had heard about. And she dissuaded them, and one went home. And Ruth said, Stop trying to get me to leave you because I'm not leaving you. Your people are going to be my people. Your God's going to be my God. And where you're buried, there I'm going to be buried. So Naomi quit. She had a real convert on her hands. Naomi, what a mother. 
conspired for marriage. She told Ruth exactly what to do, how to get Boaz. And she delighted in God's blessing upon that union because it resulted in David three generations later and it resulted in the Lord Jesus Christ a number of generations after that. Naomi was a great mother and a great mother-in-law to this woman Ruth and how she pressed her to make a decision to follow Jesus Christ, to follow the God of Israel rather, and to come to her people. But she did it in a wise way. And once she came, she conspired with her on how to get a husband. Practical wisdom. Naomi taught. First Samuel chapters 1 and 2 are about Hannah. Hannah was a holy woman that lived by prayer. She didn't despair. She lived by prayer. She was in a situation you women can't even imagine. She was part of a polygamous marriage. Her husband had another wife named Peninnah. Peninnah aggravated her all the time. Peninnah just kept cranking out the babies. And in Israel, having babies was very important, and Hannah had none. Even though her husband, Elkanah, tried to comfort her, saying, you're better to me than ten children, or ten sons. She wanted to give him a son. She didn't despair. She prayed. She was a holy woman that lived by prayer. She vowed and paid heavily for a son. Lord, if you'll show me a token for good, I have shared this with many over many years, but several, several times in recent weeks. Psalm 86 and verse 17 talks about asking God for a token for good so that those that hate me will be ashamed and they will know that you have hope in me and comforted me. It's a visible demonstration that, God, you're with me to shut the mouths of my enemies. And she had one living in the same house, taking her husband every other night, or whatever arrangements they had. Hannah lived by prayer, vowed that, Lord, if you'll give me a son, if you'll give me a token for good, I will give him back to you. She won the love of her husband because she was a great wife, And she trained a son to worship by five years of age. 1 Samuel chapter 1, last verse. Therefore, also I have lent him to the Lord. As long as he liveth, he shall be lent to the Lord. And she worshiped the Lord there. Is that what it says in your Bible? And she worshiped the Lord there? Does it say, and he worshiped the Lord there? 1 Samuel 1.28 When did Hannah give Samuel to the Lord? When she weaned him. Now how's that for a mother? How much do you tell your children about the Lord? God the Father. The Lord Jesus Christ. The Word of God. The Lamb of God. Righteousness. His laws. His rules. His beauty. His glory. Samuel worshipped at around five. You know I'm being merciful. I don't think there's too many in this room that nursed until they were five. You'd have to go to t-ball practice with them. She's a great example. Proverbs chapter 4. Proverbs 4. Hannah is a great example. You say, well, I... 
I've been waiting for them to get a little older before I tell them about the Lord. Really? Let's, let's think about a few things. How'd they learn to walk? And how old were they? They should walk around one year of age. How do they learn? Because they read a book? Because you hired a tutor? Because you told them, stand up, fall forward, and put the other leg out there really quick to catch you on your way down, and then fall forward again and put the other leg out there to catch how they learn to walk. Watching mommy. How they learn to eat. How they learn to talk. How they learn to open this thing and make a word in English. Why didn't a sentence in Japanese come out? Why did, why did some words in English come out? Because they copy. Copy, copy, copy. So guess what you need to be, mothers? It's exciting! It, an example! A constant example of every good thing that they should be. Proverbs chapter 4 and verse 3. Eric mentioned this verse about feeling and believing that he was this way in the eyes of his mother. And he said his other siblings believe the same thing. Proverbs 4 and verse 3. Solomon is writing, saying, I was my father's son. David delighted in me. I was his son. Tender and only beloved in the sight of my mother. Who was that mother? I need a name. Bathsheba. Bathsheba was a great mother. The Holy Spirit has Solomon put this proverb down that I was tender. My mother always dealt gently and kindly with me. And I was only beloved, always loved in her eyes. You know, even when I didn't get an A, I was always loved by my mother. Even when the kid down the street beat me in a bicycle race, I was always loved by my mother. I know all about that verse, don't we? Yeah, several of you nod. Beautiful. Look at this. This is Bathsheba. Bathsheba was a repentant adulteress. Repentance makes all the difference in the world. Give me a Mary Magdalene anytime who's repented of sins. She loved her repentant husband. Doted on Solomon. Had three other sons. Defended Solomon. And got him on the throne of Israel. Great woman. God blessed her abundantly. God loved Solomon. Solomon was the second child born to that union after the Lord took the first one. And then she had three other sons for David. And one of them was named Nathan. And remember, Joseph... The husband of Mary came through Solomon. Mary came through Nathan. And the two of them came together. Mary was the mother of Jesus once. That's why I wrote in a recent update, who was the woman that was the mother of Jesus twice? Bathsheba. She had a son named Nathan. She had a son named Joseph. I mean, she had a son named Solomon. Through Solomon came Joseph. Through Nathan came Mary. Bathsheba. Here's a verse for you ladies. I was my father's son. That's, that's the relationship of Solomon to David. I was tender and only beloved in the sight of my mother. Bathsheba was a loving mother to Solomon. Let's go to Proverbs chapter 31. Proverbs 31. I know I'm going very fast. This is a simple sermon. It's to make you women think that God, the great God of heaven, 
listed and inspired words to be put in the Bible about select mothers. I have 20, but these are the 10 best. Proverbs 31, Lemuel's mother. The words of King Lemuel. The prophecy that his mother taught him. And you want to talk about affection right now? There, It's in the Bible. Listen, the natural instinct of a mother to love her child is in the Bible. Solomon, in his wisdom, took advantage of it to settle a court case the, immediately upon the Lord giving him wisdom in 1 Kings chapter 3. Two prostitutes slept together. They each had children. They woke up in the morning and one was dead and one was alive. And they lied about, you know, there was, there was lying and deception there as to who the baby belonged to. There's Solomon sitting on his throne. The Lord has just made him wise. It's 1 Kings chapter 3. What does he appeal to? He appeals to a mother's instinctive care for her young. All have it, including prostitutes. He said, bring me a sword. Let's just cut this thing in half and give half of this baby to each woman. That is so brilliant. That is so brilliant. How long did that court case take? Did they have to appeal that thing up eight levels until it got to the Supreme Court? Solomon just said, hand me a sword. And who cried out and said, it's hers, let her have it. The real mother. Okay. Women, I I know that those feelings are there. Here's my point. Do not be satisfied with those feelings because you're no better than a prostitute. You're no better than a pagan. You're no better than a skunk mommy. There's another level. There's a Hannah. Do you know what Hannah got to do every day for the rest of her life? Run out when the paper boy came by. Run out there on that sidewalk, pick up the paper, open it up. Samuel. Samuel names a new place in Israel, Ebenezer. Because the Philistines were there and he took a sucking lamb and killed it on an altar and named it Ebenezer. Hitherto hath the Lord helped us and God sent hail down and destroyed the Philistines every day of her life. She got to read about Samuel because when he was here, she was talking to him about the Lord. My mother sang to me when I was in her womb about Jesus. Little Johnny in the eighth grade was making inroads into rock and roll music, even though his parents strictly forbid him to listen to the junk. He brought a little piece of vinyl home called a 45 and put it on the family stereo and said, Mom, I think you'll like this. It was the overture to the rock opera Tommy. She didn't like it. Amen. She said, why can't you listen to something that honors Jesus Christ? I remember, I didn't understand those words at all. Now ask me what I listened to and how loud. It isn't, it's not rock and roll music. It's the hallelujah chorus. It's worthy as the lamb. It's all hail the power of Jesus' name. I've listened to that so many times to three different tunes the past week. Oh, for a thousand tongues to sing my great Redeemer's praise. All that you can do when they're young, you can form their minds to love Christ and love Jesus. Of course, He's got to make the ultimate difference, but we do not worry about that, fuss about that, or slow down because we don't see that. That's in secret will. The revealed will is teach them. 
Look at this woman. Here's her affection. What, my son? What, the son of my womb? And what, the son of my vows? That verse 2, you can read my proverb commentary on it. It is pack full of motherly affection for her son. But what does she do? Promise me that you'll come home on your birthday every year so that I can have a cake for you? Are you kidding me? Please. Did she say anything like that? What'd she say? Stay away from women. Verse 3. Verses 4 through 7. Stay away from booze. Verses 8 and 9. You make sure you help everyone that needs help. Verses 10 through 31. You marry a very diligent, God-fearing woman. That is a great mother. That is a great mother. She ain't wasting time talking about T-ball as a priority. She's talking about the Lord as a priority and the rules of righteousness. If we look at the next verses, 10 through 31, this is a different woman. This is the virtuous woman that the mother of Lemuel told him about. What can we know about her? She's a virtuous woman and her price is far above rubies, but she's also a mother. The heart of her husband doth safely trust in her so that he shall have no need of spoil. There's no arguing or fighting in that home because mom and dad are getting along perfectly well. Verse 15, she riseth also while it is yet night and giveth meat to her household. She takes care of her family. She's a great mother. She feeds them well. Verse 21, she's not afraid of the snow for her household, for all her household are clothed with scarlet. She clothes her household. Verse 27, she looketh well to the ways of her household. Husband and children are all taken care of, and she eateth not the bread of idleness. Her children arise up and call her blessed. Because she's so diligent in these ways of taking care of the family and of taking care of the children. Many daughters have done virtuously, but thou excellest them all. This is a queen mother writing about a perfect woman. Favor is deceitful and beauty is vain, but a woman that feareth the Lord, she shall be praised. So what's the foundation for a great mother? The fear of God. For you to be holy women. John Newton that wrote Amazing Grace, that wrote hundreds of other hymns, when he thought for sure he was going to die in a storm at sea, remembered his mother praying for him. That motherly image was prayer. It wasn't being at his t-ball game. You haven't done anything that a skunk doesn't do by being at a t-ball game. All skunk mommies go to t-ball games. Go learn about skunks. Go learn about lions and go learn about hyenas. They all play with their young. It means nothing in comparison to these things. I want to excite you to a higher level. Don't let just mommy instincts, they move everybody. They're of the world, they're of the flesh, they're earthly. They they belong, but they're not important and they're not going to do anything for your children. Every kid gets them. Every serial killer, or some of them at least, had mothers that had instinctive feelings toward them and stuck them at the breast. There's another level. Oh, be gripped by it. Acts chapter 16, you don't need to turn there. Paul comes into a place called Derby and Lystra, two little towns, and he finds a young man there named Timothy. His mother's name is Eunice. His grandmother's name is Lois. His father's an unconverted Greek. He hasn't been circumcised. 
because that good woman would not violate that marriage by circumcising the son of an unbelieving Greek. Eunice was married to an unbeliever, did not violate her marriage by circumcision, perpetuated the faith of her mother Lois, and trained Paul's favorite minister. He was just a young lad. Many years later, Paul's going to write churches and say, don't you despise his youth. He was young, but those two women had taught him. There's other women in the Bible, but those are ten, just to get you started. There's another ten or so that the Bible tells us about, and they have virtues or lack thereof for learning. But let me give you ten rules, and I've got to go faster. God first. Ten rules for moms. God's first. She's a holy woman. She fears God, loves Christ, hates sin in the world, prays and lives by the Bible. She's always an example of piety. That means religious sobriety, religious seriousness to children. Her relationship with God clearly trumps anything else. Her walk with God is more important than anything else. Nothing can move her. She trusts in God. No child competes with God for affection or loyalty. She's his and his only. Spiritual welfare of children is most crucial to her. She will change anything in her life to match the Bible. No loss is too great for discipleship for this woman. God will bless this mother over all her peers. God is always first. When I have preached 30 years ago on Bible economics, what was rule number one? Obey God. Because if you don't get started right, all your efforts are going to be vain. God had better be first in your life. Your walk with Him, your time with Him, your passion, emotion, soul is His. It's not your children. It's not even your husband in this particular regard. It's the Lord's. Make Him first. Put your trust in Him. Love Him. Love His Son, Jesus Christ. Walk with God. God will bless your efforts as a mother. God will bless your children. And you can show them this great example of always putting the Lord first. Number two, husband second. Husband comes after God and before children. It fulfills God's will for your primary purpose in life as a woman. Your primary purpose is not mother. Your primary purpose is wife. It's the Bible. It's not Jonathan Crosby. It's the Bible. He didn't make Eve to be a mother. He made Eve to be a help, meet for Adam. And a woman that puts her husband first, first God first above her children, God will bless that marriage. God will bless that example to her children. She loves her husband above her children. She honors him over them in affection, attention, time, and effort. Agrees with her husband against them. Illustrates submission and reverence to him daily. She illustrates to her children what a submissive and irreverent wife is like because she shows it every day in the home. She maintains a romantic marriage that the children will desire. She points to daddy as the chief object of devotion. Establishes priorities and relationships to prosper in life. She's showing them how to establish priorities in relationships by having God first, then husband, then children, and she's here. She never backbites her husband when he is gone. Some of you women just can't help it. 
You were raised by such hyenas and you keep doing it. All you got to do is stop. Just praise your husband when he's gone. And I know that many of you do that. Just praise him. Point them to daddy. Because daddy's more important than mommy. In every page of the Bible. Number three. Exemplary. You got to set an example, mothers. Mothers, you want to be a great example. They learned walking. They learned talking. They learned so many things just by copying you. They're always watching. They hear your words. They see the frown on your face and what what you're unhappy about. They see when you don't really want to go to church. They see when you roll your eyes at dad, their dad, your husband. So you got to be a great example. Be consistent always to avoid confusion in their little minds. Consistent example. Children learn by copying. Illustrate. You can illustrate practical wisdom every day by practicing it yourself in front of them. She guards her tongue at all times so they only hear gracious speech. She holds the highest standard in all aspects of life so they learn to hold the highest standard in all aspects of life. If there's an assignment, you do it with your might and you do it now. You don't procrastinate. We could go on and on about practical wisdom. Her passion and zeal for Christ and His things are obvious to them. My mother loves Jesus Christ more than anything or anyone. My mother loves Jesus Christ more than my dad. My mother sure loves Jesus Christ more than me. That's the way it should be. That helps children grow up right. To grow up with my mommy loves me. (laughs) So? Mommy skunk loves little skunky. How's that going to help you when mommy's on a deathbed with a hose at her nose? Mommy loves me. But mommy doesn't even know who you are anymore. And mommy's leaving. That is not what motivates and moves men to be great. Or girls to be great. It's to have that constant example of loving and serving Christ. What an example I got to live with of two people who gave up everything to serve others. Serve others. Serve others. I wasn't taught J-O-Y stands for Jesus, others, and you because it's a soundbite jingle. I was taught because that's what they did. That's what they always did. They never had anything. Everything was for everybody else. Their time, their money was for everyone else. But when a woman does that, then the children grow up and they do that and they're not self-centered brats. Selfish. Always thinking about themselves. Other people are always more important than you are or I am. The Bible tells us that. Teaches us that. What an, away, what an example. She never expects her children to do what she hasn't done. She knows that every attitude, her every attitude, her every word, her every action is molding her children. Because they're molded more by what you do than by what you say. You know, I love you thinking about walking. I'm going to say it again. Because I want to make this point so weighty if I can. You didn't teach them how to walk. By giving them a verbal lesson. A written lesson. You just walked. They they saw that. They saw I'm down here on all fours and... They're all up there upright. And uh, they figured that out. And then you stand two feet away from them and say, come to mommy. Come to mommy. And they 
plot out. You know, there have been studies done by children who have never seen a person walking on their hind legs. I ought to read about them. You know you can Google anything I say. They don't figure it out. It's copying. Why does another language come out? Why is it daddy and mommy? Because they hear it. They hear it and they copy. Oh, what, a, what an opportunity that is. Older parents, we all wish we could go back, don't we? But the Lord is merciful. The Lord forgives failures. The Lord forgives negligence. And He's able to restore the lost years of the canker worm according to Joel chapter 2. All you young girls in here that don't even have children yet, so exciting to get started and have your mind already made up of how what I'm going to be like as a mother. My husband is going to be first. The Lord's going to be before him, but my husband's going to be first before my children, and I'm going to be an example. I'm going to show them every day what it's like to honor my husband, which will be their daddy, talk respectfully about the government, always be neat and clean, orderly. We're always going to serve others. We're never going to complain. Just all those things that you can do every day, and your children copy it. Number four is diligent industry. Industry means hard work, is a Christian virtue that's often missing today. It's not the most important, but I put it number four. Because if you read Proverbs 31, the number one character trait of the virtuous woman after fearing God is her diligence. She's a hard worker. Children are born lazy. A neglected husband, a neglected family, a neglected home has direct consequences to destroy. A lack of completing projects and growing the estate is also an indirect loss by the terrible example it gives to children. What I mean there is, if you're a lazy mother, they suffer firsthand. They don't get anything good. If you're a lazy mother, they suffer secondhand by having a poor example that they will perpetuate later and hurt another family. So, mothers, be diligent like the mothers before us. You know, the mothers of a couple generations back... (laughs) You don't really want to read about them. They were different. How many hours do you think they spent a week taking up painting? They had never heard of a woman that ever did such a thing. There's too much to do. There's cows to milk and there's heads to wring off of chickens and there's clothes to wash on a washboard and there's the my husband in the back 40 that needs a sandwich and there's butter to churn and on and on it goes. Diligent mothers. This requires daily focus on real objectives and real productivity. Do you ever think about the word productivity? How productive was I today? Productive means you produced something. It's a nice word. It's not a bad word. Productive. Mothers, were you productive? What did you produce? Assign chores to those children to be a good mother. Include them in necessary projects, not make-up projects. You should always be up first and last. Just got to read what's there. Knowledgeable, number five. Great mothers keep on learning and not just learning hobbies. They never quit learning because they know they need to know more to help growing children in a changing world. Their speech is not noise, but precious content. When a virtuous woman opens her mouth, 
There is never a wasted syllable. It's found in Proverbs 31 and verse 26. She openeth her mouth with wisdom. And in her tongue is the law of kindness. If you think you're wise in what you say, but you're not kind, you flunk. If you're kind in what you say, but there's not much content, you flunk. The requirement of another mother writing you to be a good wife and to be a good mother, she openeth her mouth with wisdom. And in her tongue is the law of kindness. It's always governed by kindness. Eric, you said good things about your mother that way. Knowledgeable. All valuable knowledge starts with the Bible. So she better know the book. And all parts of life should be in agreement or rejected with explanation from the Bible. It also includes knowing your children by winning them to reveal their thoughts to you mothers. Know what is going on in the world and affecting your children, especially your sons. Know their friends. A good mother is a knowledgeable woman, a knowledgeable mother. Know their temperaments and know their differences. Every snowflake is different. Next, loving. A good mother is a loving mother. It's a commandment. Older women are to teach younger women to love their children in Titus chapter 2. But it's far more than a natural instinct. You don't have to teach that. Why would you want to teach it? I mean, it's just... Come on, let's, let's elevate ourselves. Let's reach higher than just instinct of being a mammal. Is what I'm trying to say. Only beloved like Bathsheba to Solomon is what's under consideration. And remember, we define love in this church as the selfless sacrifice and action toward another person to help them profit and enjoy their walk with God. That's what real love does. Real love is always looking for the best that I can do to help this person please God and enjoy their relationship with Him, which is the greatest fulfillment of a human life. The so-called gentler sex should show kindness. You can provide a secure backstop for enemies or failures, knowing that Mommy's always there and loves me. Like Solomon said, tender and only beloved in the sight of my mother. You can befriend them as they get older to comfort and advise rather than control them. A loving mother knows that true love includes correction, rebukes, and chastening because that's part of real love. Real love practices Bible charity and all the details of Bible charity toward children. Teaching. Number six. It's number seven. Teaching. Fathers have the lead role. The Bible says so. Fathers, bring your children up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord and all throughout the Bible, it's fathers that do the primary teaching. But mothers have their role also. If you're, in, you're near the book of Proverbs, look at chapter 1 and verse 8. Proverbs 1 and verse 8 says, My son, hear the instruction of thy father, and forsake not the law of thy mother. So, this is Solomon's wife about Rehoboam, telling him, Now you've been taught by two different teachers in your life. You've been instructed by me, and your mother has laid down some laws. Hear them and don't forsake them. Chapter 6 and verse 20, in the matter of flirting wicked girls and women, 
It's the same kind of a verse. 6.20 says, My son, keep thy father's commandment, and forsake not the law of thy mother. Bind them continually upon thine heart, and tie them about thy neck. When thou goest, it shall lead thee. So a mother should be laying down laws. This is a law for how you should live, son. Do not play with whores. This is what a whore is. You will desire this thing, but she will destroy you. It's like Samson's mother. Of all the daughters in in Israel, you've got to go after an uncircumcised Philistine? Teaching. They lay down laws for life. Since example only goes so far. From early days, they promote worship like Hannah did. Teaching about God. A mother has more time with her children than a father does. She is always backing him up by filling in the details and the minutes and the hours that she has that he does not have. From early days, they teach the love of others. Early days, do something for someone else. Go do something for someone else. You're last. We always serve others. Johnny. Or whoever it is. You need to have wisdom, God's wisdom in your mouth in order to convey it. So you better be learning from the Proverbs and learning what the Bible teaches and listening to the sermons and accumulating them so that you can repeat it to your children. Like Lois and Eunice did to Timothy. The much time that mothers have with children should be used. They should listen to every sermon. They should review and store it. They should read God's Word and know it so that they can teach that to their children as they have opportunity. A good mother is strict. Number eight, she enforces God's will and parental rule by God's means of rod and reproof. A godly mother does not think that somehow society has landed on a better way of raising children than this way. All you should have to do is look around and see the results to know that this is the only way and that our society is bankrupt by going against the Bible. Strict. A great mother requires children to fully obey and honor her office. She never undermines her husband in rules or punishment, except maybe to exceed. Uh, I was thinking, if Ryan and Sarah had a child, Ryan would tell that child, if you've done something wrong, come to daddy. And uh, sometimes I've told that to mine. It'd be better to deal with me than mommy. That's because we're totally committed and we're, we're in total agreement. And it's nice to have a wife that will jump right in there and be in total agreement with her husband. Right. It was assumed in the Bible that a mother would participate in stoning a rebellious son. No problem for a real mother. Rebellious sons, stone them to death. Where's the instinct then? Some of you still operate by skunk instinct when there's an inspired instinct that you'd be willing to do that. No problem. If you read Deuteronomy chapter 22, verses 18 through 21, it will tell you that the husband and wife take their rebellious son, take him to the elders of the city and say, this our son, the father and the mother are there, is rebellious, he's a drunkard, he's a glutton, stone him. She's strict. A strict mother will push married children away to promote leave and cleave. She ain't going to be trying to keep attached to her children. She's going to push them away because that's what that's God's order. 
Leave father and mother and cleave unto wife. That's why it's called leave and cleave. But there are nagging old ladies that don't have a life, so they want to get involved in their children's lives, and they shouldn't. That's not a good mother. They do not allow sentimental compromise with rebel children. They're strict. They require helpful chores around the house, and they enforce them. Number nine, they're advisors. A good mother's an advisor. Now, there's academics that today's an emphasis for children. They need, they need sports. They need school. They need jobs and money. Those things are minimized in what a good mother talks to her children about. You say, but wow, those are the important things of life. No, character, conduct, spirit, and reputation are maximized in the Bible. Remember Proverbs 31? Proverbs 31. My son, you're my son. You're the son of my womb. You're the son of my vows. Son, let's graduate cum laude. Let's graduate top of the class. Let's, no, it's stay away from women. Stay away from booze. Stay and help everybody that's under your authority that could use your help that can't help themselves and only marry this kind of a woman. That is very practical, earthly, wise, godly, scriptural advice. It's based on character, conduct, spirit, and reputation. That's what was important. Advisor. King Lemuel's mother is a great example. That's why Proverbs 31 says more if you read it differently than instead of looking at it for a wife, you look at it for a mother. This great mother that's an advisor is not prudish or prissy about warning of sexual or other dangers for teenagers. She can get right into it and tell them the truth. She's not embarrassed or fearful of teaching intimate, personal things. She can rule out emotion to objectively help children with relationships. When her child's having a relationship problem with another child, a teenager with another teenager, she doesn't get in there and take sides. Do you know what kind of an infant takes sides? She's a teacher. She leads her child to righteousness. What's the righteous conduct toward this other person? Well, they wronged me. There's, a, there's an answer. It's not revenge. It's not to leave them alone and ignore them. It's to go settle it. All It's all found in the Bible. And a good mother is a good advisor. She remains neutral when feelings run wild because feelings aren't scriptural. She grasps the Bible principles of wisdom and teaches them. Number 10, she's spiritual. Say, I thought you got that in number one when it was God first. Not really. I, I want to emphasize what the Bible would emphasize, and this is a little different. Spiritual means she walks in the Spirit and is filled with the Holy Ghost. What good's a mother that's not walking in the Spirit and filled with the Holy Ghost? What good is she? She packs a good lunch. Call me. I'll pack a better one. In fact, I'll pay for hot lunch. And that whips any packed lunch. Maybe. Spiritual. She walks in the Spirit and is filled with the Holy Ghost. Why would you want a mother of any other kind? Right. Why would you allow a woman to give birth if she's not going to walk in the Holy Ghost and be filled with the Spirit? We should have population planning. Mothers that don't walk in the Spirit don't deserve to conceive and give birth. 
She's spiritual. Her speech is laced with the glory of God and the beauty of Jesus Christ. The kingdom and church come before anything in this world. A heavenly country. Remember Abraham and Sarah sought for a heavenly country. A heavenly country is more important than a home in the country. She promotes and pushes her children to a personal relationship with God. Did you have a ladies' meeting about that recently? The big black book is always consulted and honored because she's spiritually minded and wants to know God's will in a matter. She prays with and for her children by name. She gets down on her knees by their bed or on the sofa. Daddy's at work. Teaches them how to get down and pray. She lets them hear her prayer language. She lets them feel that she loves a being that they cannot see even more than their daddy. And she sheds tears. And she groans. And she prays on her knees with her little children beside her. And they, in the midst of this love language between a woman and her God, hear their names. She's spiritual. Every woman, every mother, every girl can respond right now by saying, thinking the rebellious thoughts of a foolish woman. I am a loving mother. I nurse my babies. I clothe them well. I feed them. I take care of them. If they're sick, I hold them while they vomit. I wipe them off. I wipe their mouth off with a warm rag. Every skunk, they don't have a rag. Every skunk, that doesn't mean anything. There's a whole other level way up there. Way up there. It should excite you. Who are going to have the Timothys and who are going to have the Samuels of the Bible? And since we have a Samuel in here, that doesn't cut it, just naming them Samuel. And we have a Timothy, that doesn't cut it. It's who's going to teach them to worship God from childhood. To love God. What... What a great opportunity to be a mother. I've given you ten examples. Saved mothers. Saved mothers will hate every feeling, habit, and priority that is contrary to the Bible, no matter what the source of those things are. Though this wasn't my main point, grandmothers have a great role as well. For God inspired the mention of Lois, in 2 Timothy 1.5. Heavenly Father, we thank Thee for giving us mothers. For every good deed that those mothers did toward us, we thank Thee. For every negligent, unfaithful thing they did, thank You for saving us. Lord, give every woman the conviction the courage, the wisdom, and the strength to be the mother that you intend. There's some great examples in the Bible. There's some rules that we can draw from them. If you go home and just take them to T-Ball, just give them their Fritos and cottage cheese, hug them, kiss them when you put them in bed, all mammals do the same thing. Pagan moms do the same thing. 
prostitutes do the same thing. But then there are a few select women like Sarah that even the New Testament we are pointed to look at Sarah. There's Sarah and there's Rebecca and there's Jochebed and there's Hannah. There's Bathsheba, the mother of King Lemuel and right on down to Lois and Eunice. That's what I want for you. It's a great opportunity. It's there in the Bible. You can do it. God will bless your efforts. May the Lord bless there to be many children that come up under mothers that are like this, that worship from an early age and do not turn away from it in their older age. May the Lord bless the preaching of his word. Amen.